My first encounter with a whale was five years ago. We were on a sunset boat cruise turned whale watch that set out beneath a particularly vivid and colorful night sky. It was a magical evening. Our group watched these magnificent creatures crest and dive and blow and bask in the waning daylight with red-orange sun-kissed water streaming off their bodies. While my family oohed and awed around me, I got real quiet. I was overcome by what I was encountering. And my first response to seeing these creatures was to cry. Even though we were in this big whale watch boat, looking down into the water from high above, I felt this sensation of sinking down into the vastness of that moment. And I don't think that I have ever felt so small in my life. It was a kind of smallness that reminded me of my place in the world. A kind of smallness that set me down inside the wholeness that my often frazzled, self-focused life forgets exists all around me. It sent me home. Rebecca Giggs, in her book Fathom, The World in the Whale, explores the incredible lives of these magnificent creatures and what they tell us about the health of our planet and where possibilities for healing and change might emerge. Did you know that whales are responsible for half of the air we breathe? Whale feces fertilizes the ocean's phytoplankton that not only remove vast amounts of carbon dioxide from the air, but also provide half of the oxygen on Earth. Literally every other breath we take comes to us from whales. Whale diving and migration patterns churn and till the ocean up and down, up and down, circulating nutrients that support the ocean ecosystem that this planet relies on. And even in their death, whales' centrality to life cannot be overstated. When a whale dies out in the open ocean, this amazing process of resurrection begins. Known as whale fall, the whale's body begins to sink to the ocean floor, moving through water columns into and out of currents, falling deeper and deeper beneath the surface. And as it falls, organisms arrive to begin their own life cycle, dependent on the nutrients the whale's body offers. Over time, an entire ecosystem begins to flourish in the wake of the whale fall. A whale fall, Giggs says, is tantamount to springtime, supporting organisms that exist in no other place on Earth but on the whale fall and for some, even just one particular species of whale. 
whole species have evolved because of the fall of whales, and these ecosystems thrive for decades, often as long or if not longer than the life of the whale. Gig writes of her study, whales I saw can magnify the better urgings of our nature and renew those parts of ourselves that are drawn by wonder to revise our place and our power in the natural world. So I invite us on this Earth Day Sunday to descend into the depths of the environments that we call home, deepen into the fathoms of some of our most intractable and impossible challenges, and look toward this Earth as a teacher, and in our learning, maybe recover and revise our place on it. Most climate scientists would agree that we have moved beyond an age where we will be able to completely stop or turn back the clock on climate change. And this movement has brought with it a stark reality of the world we face. We are moving into an age of adaptation where we have to address the impacts of centuries of inaction and lean into these changes that are already well underway. Impacts and changes that will not be felt proportionately. Whale bodies absorbing the results of our pollution and poisoning of waterways, animal species going extinct, countries and communities with less power and economic means, the most vulnerable face the greatest loss. There is much to grieve here, hope to let go of, possibilities for healing that are no longer viable. But this time of adaptation doesn't mean apathy or complacency. Numbers and statistics alone separate us from the depth of life and connection that we exist in. Even if our actions on this planet continue to pull us out of right relationship with the world and its people, we are bound up in the systems around us. And there is something deeper here to bring us back if we sink into relationship and connection. And here, the natural world has something to teach us that might urge us through or down into solutions and ways of healing that we haven't been able to imagine yet. Writer and activist Adrienne Marie Brown in her book, Emergent Strategy, explores how the natural world offers wisdom and guidance on how we might solve the complex problems we face. Fungal networks underground, she tells us, teach about interconnectedness and detoxification. Dandelions, with their ability to seed vast swaths of land through their tiny seed heads, embody lessons of resilience and adaptation. Or 
a whale diving and cresting to churn the ocean's water to bring oxygen to a winded planet shows us about interdependence and the reverberating impacts of one creature's actions. So how might we integrate these lessons, transform them into our own action, and ignite our passion to do the work that we are called to do? Here, Adrian Marie Brown invites us to get small. Small is good, she writes. Small is all. The large is just a reflection of the small. And so in this way, she lifts up a way of organizing for change that asks us to shift from mile-wide, inch-deep movements, mile-wide, inch-deep, to inch-wide, mile-deep movements that she says split open the existing ways that we think about and understand the world inch wide, mile deep. When I first read this, I had an image of a large, immovable rock, right? And that thin fissure running down its center, how that small, unassuming crack can break open entire mountain faces. Or how the descent of one whale can create an entire ecosystem of life. Going deep is powerful. Depth opens us up to our interdependence. And here, I just want to take a moment to mention our transformative trip yesterday down to Boston's Common Cathedral that I know we've heard a bit about during this service. Our group of 11 spent nearly 24 hours living in community, with the unhoused and formerly unhoused staff and guests of that program. And one of our goals, as you know, was to bring supplies and provisions to give away at their open house yesterday morning. Desperately needed clothes, food, and other items of need. However, during our time there, we were reminded again and again you aren't just here to bring stuff. You are here to be in relationship. You are here to get to know people, to remember their names and their faces, and to take that deep knowing with you back into your lives and congregations and transform it into action. The depth of connection and relationship that we built was powerful and it cracked open the stereotypes, the assumptions, and the shallow ways that I, for one, understood the reality of chronic homelessness. When we move beyond statistics to people and relationships, we see our interdependence. An interdependence that puts so many of the issues that impact our communities and world in conversation with one another, sometimes in uncomfortable ways. Our work to heal this planet doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's connected to race, economic injustice, housing, food access, and so on.
For most of my own life, I thought that protecting the environment meant preserving land, a worthy goal to be sure. But the deeper you go, the more complex it becomes. Studies have shown that municipal land acquisition and preservation without zoning changes that expand affordable housing segregate communities. The positive impact of land preservation on the one hand creates, often intentionally, the pricing out of low income and communities of color. This modern day segregation has necessitated our state to designate environmental justice zones where disproportionate environmental burdens are placed on vulnerable communities, places with poorer air quality and water quality, where industrial waste sites and landfills are often built. Or, as we learned yesterday, efforts to revitalize the Boston Common is beginning to threaten the homeless community's ability to access this land that is a vital part of their own community's ability to survive. When we go deep, land preservation, access to safe and affordable housing and economic inequality, they get all mixed up. They intersect and connect into a system that makes it impossible for our society's most vulnerable to thrive. A system that we all participate in with the way we zone our communities, what land we preserve and for whom, and what we put in our own backyards. Now, I know that I'm not alone when I start to follow these issues into their depths. Things get really complicated and overwhelming really quickly. The problems become so big and unsolvable that we either spread ourselves thin across all these different needs or end up doing nothing. But we know that for those tangled up in the systems around us, they can't get away. So what if we stay? Not just deepen into numbers and statistics, but take a lesson from our natural world and deepen into the potential for relationship around us. Because just as a system can oppress, so can it liberate. As we know, our interdependence exists in a system, an ecosystem, a system of mutuality, relationship, and common cause. Like the tiny taproot of a dandelion or the feather-thin fungal networks beneath the soil, smallness alongside depth roots us. It puts us in conversation and connection to other deep things. Our pain and wounding, yes, but the healing too. Opens up possibilities for alliances, partnerships, and sharing that offer new solutions that, just like the organisms that float to the whale fall, could exist in no other place than this moment. Here, local movements like the Merrimack Valley Project, led by the most impacted by our current moment, bring together faith groups, labor movements, and other community organizations to address 
the intersections of race, the environment, and economic inequity, and strengthen this community. Or Team Haverhill that is working at the intersections of community and art and the environment to deepen relationships and create innovative solutions across areas of community need. And while the problems we face are still great, and there is no turning back on many of the choices we've made for our planet and each other, change is inevitable, and that's a good thing. Adrian Marie Brown reminds us that being interdependent is a series of small, repetitive motions. Interdependence is a series of small, repetitive motions. Like the whales that dive and crest over and over again, churning the water with their motion, we keep moving. We practice being in relationship with, not separate from, the environments and people around us. We get to see each other as more than statistics and numbers. Our planet, more than a thing to save, but a thing to love deeply, and then act on behalf of that love. Playwright, essayist, and social critic James Baldwin wrote, nothing is fixed forever and forever and forever. It is not fixed. The earth is always shifting, the light is always changing, the sea does not cease to grind down rock. Generations do not cease to be born, and we are responsible to them. We are the only witnesses they have. The sea rises, the light fails, lovers cling to each other, and children cling to us. The moment we cease to hold each other, he says, the moment we break faith with one another, the sea engulfs us and the light goes out. This sacred and holy work is the gift and the challenge of our faith to live into this interdependence, the web of life of which we are merely a part, over and over again. This is a call for us to look around right here in our own community and lives and ask ourselves, what is my inch wide, mile deep? Where can I root in and who is around to entwine with? To follow the complexity of challenges, pay attention to the places where our interests intersect with systems of inequality and deepen into them listen and build relationships with those most impacted by the choices we make. Choices that remind us that our liberation is bound up with each other's. And to do this over and over again because the fullness of time is long and we have fathoms to go. Instead of resisting our descent, may we lean into the motions of our fall and don't forget to hold each other along the way. Keep our faith and open ourselves to life swimming into the places where the comfortable known has receded. Forever and forever and forever shifting and changing 
as we peer over the side of our boats that carry us down into the water below, let us feel our smallness so deeply that we are moved to tears at how closely we are held in the arms of this great earth that sustains us and urges us on. This love that grounds us in fathomless connection as we all make our way home. Amen, and may it be so.